Hello everybody and welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. We are back and I'm delighted to say we are joined on this show by a very special guest uh, from IK Sirius. Now, this is one of the few first interviews we've done in a while. You know, we've been, we've been on the download for a little bit talking about different things. But uh, we had a, a, a reader question last week and the reader question was asking us, us to talk about Sirius. Uh, we did talk about them a little bit on the show last week, but you know, I thought about it and we were looking at the league table and really, when you look at it, Sirius have been one of the best teams in the league this season. So, you know, they're currently fifth in the table and I'm delighted to say we've been joined by one of their star players, uh, Mohamed Saeed, who joins us now on the line. Mohamed, uh, thank you so much for joining us on the Nordic Football Podcast. How is everything with you? Uh, thank you for having me. Um, everything is good, thank you. Uh, we've been a uh, tough schedule, but uh, yeah, we've, we've been doing quite well. Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, you know, I've got a lot of questions to talk about with Sirius and, you know, you're having such a fantastic season and, you know, your own self and your personal career as well. You know, this is a, a new sort of a chapter for you at Sirius. Um, right. But I think the first place to really begin, I want to talk a little bit about yourself because, you know, you're quite a name in, in Osvenskan um, and you've played in different countries as well. So t tell us firstly about your, how, how did your dream as a professional footballer, how did it all begin? You know, what, what was the day as a kid where you thought to yourself, you know, I want to be a professional footballer? Um, it was pretty early when I was, uh, I started playing when I was uh, five years old. And, uh, and from then on, it was like, uh, I didn't know how far I was going to, Go, but but everyone around me was playing football. So like my 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 uh, uncles, uh, everyone that I used to hang out with used to play football. So it was a thing to play um, uh, football, and uh, uh, and I was uh, pretty good when I was uh, at a young age, uh, so to speak. And uh, hence why I moved to England uh, pretty fast as well. And that's really when I realized that I could become a professional footballer. Yeah, because you. Um Am I right in saying you were born? You were born in Sweden, born in Ulbrook. Yeah, yeah. But you right. you have Eritrean background and you've even played for their international team. Um, right, right. So tell us about the move from sort of England, uh, sorry, Sweden to England. You know, I, I believe you were spotted by Fulham when you were a youngster. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was like um, we. So Swedish teams normally go on many tournaments. So different countries, uh, uh, different um, cities in Sweden as well, and. Uh, our team was uh, was actually very good. Uh, there's a lot of players from from that group that made it professional, which is uh, very unusual. Uh, there's not too many people that actually make it as a professional player at any level. Um, sometimes you only have like one or two guys, but I think we had like five or six guys who who became professional players at different levels. Um, which was uh, just highlights of, of how good our team was at, at that age. Um, sure. but that's really how, how it started. And uh, I got scouted by uh, Fulham was one of the teams because it, it, when, when we was younger, so, uh, my, uh, my dad used to uh, film my training sessions, my games, and everyone used to laugh at you know, why is your dad filming everything? Why is your dad doing this? He loves the camera, yeah. you know, uh, so on and so forth. And uh, at the end of the day, that's what kind of got me the first trial uh, was, was the videotapes. And, you know, he was, uh, my cousin was actually acting 
as a as a journalist asking me questions, so like an interview, and he was filming that, and I think I was like ten or nine years old, uh, so uh, that kind of inspired me to 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 become the player I am today, and uh, uh, and yeah, so I went to, to Fulham. Uh, via the films and, and the tournaments they, they, they watched. Uh, but I found it, uh, I actually got the, the best player when I was there and I got like a signed shirt by Luis Saha who was there at the, at the time. Sure. But I found it uh, very difficult because I didn't speak the language and uh, I was actually a very shy kid when I was younger. Uh, I wasn't the one that spoke a lot or uh, very social in that way. So yeah. it was pretty difficult in the beginning. And then, you know, how did you sort of, I mean, because that was at Beckle Forward, wasn't it? Beckle Forward. Um, right, right. And then, and then how did it, was there a particular coach or someone that you looked up to at a young age, apart from your family maybe, um, that was very important on your journey in that time? I mean, you got signed by, you got signed by the club. And then, you know, how did that all come about in terms of becoming a professional? Was there anyone in particular who helped you the most in that period? I mean, uh, I don't think there was in particular because uh, I mean my dad was the one who was there the whole way, um, you know, going to every away game, home game, training, anything you name it, he was there, you know, and I felt the actual support from him, and yeah. that's kind of what pushed me to 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 want to become a professional footballer, uh, and also uh, my uncle was was the one training me, so um, so I'd say them two the most because of how much they pushed me and how much they um, they not pressured me into into getting better but believed in me and that pushed me to get better every day uh, and uh, yeah that's the two most people I, I would thank uh, you know in, in, in the sense of you know how, how far I've come and, and everything that I've accomplished so far in my career it's fantastic yeah I mean you know you you as a, as a young footballer growing up, what was the moment then that you realised, you know, I've made it as a professional? You know, at what point did you feel like, I've realised my dream here, this is, this is it, I'm going to be a professional footballer? There was never a moment when I felt, where, you know, oh, I've made it as a, as a professional footballer because my, my dream and my goal was always to play in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, so, as a youngster, playing at West Brom and, you know, playing for the uh, um, reserve team when I was 15, 16 years old, probably one of the youngest ones to play for the for the reserve team at the time. Uh, it was a big deal for me. So I was thinking, I can make it. You know, I'm going to make it. Uh, that's how how big of a confidence I had at the time. And, yeah. uh, you know, I had a coach in Craig Shakespeare and uh, Michael Appleton who have done great things after, you know, uh, being at West Brom. Uh, of course. And they actually believed in me in... in 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 a way, and and I actually felt the support, um, and and also Dan Ashworth, who's who is uh, the sporting director at Brighton. Uh, he was the actual one who signed me to West Brom. Yeah. When I was when I was young, so he he meant a lot to me as well in in that process and in, in helping me become even better. But uh, I n I never actually felt a moment where I was like, okay, I made it. But uh, if there ever was a moment where I felt like, okay, I have to kick on from here, it was my first year in Alsvenskan, I would say, uh, when I played for Uruguay, where I said, okay, you know, I got one chance 
one shot. You know, I want to make it count, and uh, uh, and, and I did. Yeah, because I mean, you you left West Brom, I think, two thousand and nine. And then yeah. you moved back to Sweden, um, back to Bickle Forward, right. and then and then you eventually moved to Odebro, where you, like you say, you played Norsvenskan, and you know, kind of began your time in, in Sweden from there, and then and then moved out to to MLS. Um, yeah. I'm going to come back onto that in the, a bit later in the show, but I think the first, you know, I think you know, let's talk about yourself as a player and and Sirius as well, because it's been a fantastic season, and I think that's important. You know, the team is currently, you know fifth at the table and is having a really really impressive season considering this is the team that traditionally maybe has been in, in the lower leagues at times you know in the last sort of five seasons or so it was promoted in recent years but then you know was, um, this is one of its best seasons in, in memory uh, potentially in history depending on where you finish what are your thoughts on the season yeah. so far at Sirius tell us, tell us a bit about it I mean uh, first of all I we would be lying if we said that we was gonna be where we are at the moment, at the beginning of the season. Um, we, I think, the pandemic helped us uh, in improving our game, uh, improving the system, improving our game, improving the chemistry in the team, uh, the coaches, uh, everything around us seemed to improve uh, drastically. Like, and, and that's something that I think uh, was a blessing in disguise, you know, because uh, when we play uh, in the cup, uh, I know we won, I think we won like 7-1 against Solentuna, who's a Division 1 team. Uh, but then we lost against uh, Vestros and then we drew to Yotoboy, but, but the game itself was was never complete in in a way we were just defending for a long period of time we wasn't able to hold on to the ball and uh, and so on and so forth but uh, during the pandemic i think uh, it gave us a lot of time to reflect and uh, and get better uh, at our craft and, uh, and and the game itself you know uh, many younger players got some experience um, they got time to develop uh, there was no real pressure on the youngest to 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 adapt quickly because we had such a long time to um, to get ready for the actual season. Um, so I think that's what gave us the opportunity to be where we are right now. Yes, fantastic. And funnily enough, we had um, Axel Kial, who's uh, the manager of Odebrook. We had him on the show yeah. uh, a couple of months. Well, during the during the, just before the season began, and he he was saying that obviously there's a lot of time, you know, to practice on the coaching field and things like that because it was such a long break, wasn't it? Um, in Australia, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was like nearly six right. months from the end of the season to to the start of the new one, maybe more than six months even. So yeah, that's that's really interesting to see that you had more time to practice and and maybe that's helped get results on the pitch. Yeah, I mean, sure. you know, we do a lot of work looking at data on the Nordic Football Podcast. We have a partnership with Y Scout, uh, myself and my co-host. We're football analysts. We have a football analyst background, and you know, when you look at the when you look at the data on Sirius, you really have been incredible this season. You know, you're number one team in the league for possession. You've had the most possession of any team in Allsvenskan. Um, you scored the third highest number of goals in Allsvenskan of any team. Uh, you've had the second most passes completed of any team in Allsvenskan. You're third in the league for key passes as well, and you're fourth in the league for a number of dribbles per 90 minutes. I mean, as a team, how aware of you are of those numbers? Are you actually aware of that? And, you know, it must be quite a fun team to play with, you know, given that creative freedom. Yeah. 
Of course, um, no, I would be lying if I said no, we never look at this and we never look at that, but we actually do look at it. So we're able to improve our game, each game, and see what, you know, what's been bad this game and what we can improve the next game and, you know, uh, see the, the weaknesses of, of the opponents and, and try to use that to our advantage. Um, so, yeah, we actually do look at that a lot, but that's not the whole thing because. You know, if you have possession, there got to be a purpose to that possession. We don't want to be that team where we just keep the ball at the back and, you know, have 70% of the ball, but we never threaten the goal. Uh, we try to go forward. We try to play uh, with some risk. Uh, and I think it goes to show, you know, every game that we've played, there's nearly been a goal every game. I think there's one game where we haven't scored. Mm. Uh, but I think... I think that's the game, you know, the fans want to see. That's the game, you know, us as players want to wanna play. and uh, It makes it easier to run more when you play uh, the way we are playing at the moment. Yeah, I mean, speaking of fans, um, what has it been like this season playing without fans? You know, I'll come back to what you said about playing style, but what has it been like this season playing without the fans? You know, do you think that has affected um, players' performance at all? I think it's strange uh, to play without fans, but but then again, you know, uh, there's gonna there's gonna be things in the way, and and you have to adapt, uh, and you have to, uh, you know, uh, be able to uh, handle uh, the different situations, uh, because uh, you know every team has the same uh, playing field. You know what I'm saying? The, the goals don't, don't change, uh, um, the lines don't change, the pitch doesn't change. Everything is the same. The ball is the same. So it's all just about pure mentality. Sure. Uh, at the end of the day, there's, there's a lot of people blaming, you know, oh, we don't have our fans and, you know, that's extra motivation, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, you got to motivate yourself. If, if you don't have the right motivation within yourself, you're playing the wrong sport. Um, so I, I don't buy into, you know, people saying, well, you know, our fans plays a big part, but I think it's the same for every club. You don't hear, you know, Man City and Liverpool complaining about, you know, their performances being bad because they don't have the fans. Uh, they're good enough to play, even though there is not fan, there is no fans uh, in in the stadium. Uh, of course, we would love for the fans to come back, and and I hope they do come back. Yeah. But uh, un until then, you know, we're going to be able to adapt to this situation. Do, do you actually think, as a, you know, a, a lot of people argue, that obviously, that Sirius are a smaller team than, say, like a Malmo or an Oikor, uh, do, you think, do you think it plays an advantage for the potentially smaller teams in the league, having no fans? Because you go to a ground like, you know, Malmo or somewhere like that, there's nobody there. Do you think that pressure of playing in those big stadiums, do you think that actually plays into the advantage of, of the smaller teams? Or do you think it might even be playing an advantage to the bigger teams because they, they don't have as much pressure from their home fans, for example, if you've got 20,000 people? It could go both ways. Yeah. It could go both ways, you know. I mean, if, if we're playing the way we are playing, I mean, there's a lot of teams that would be frustrated, you know, and the fans would be getting on their backs uh, saying, you know, Sirius is a small team. How comes you're not, you know, dominating... Uh, possession. How comes you're not creating as many chances as they are, and, and so on and so forth. So it could work both ways. You know, you know what I'm saying. Most players sure. love to have the added pressure of playing in front of thirty thousand, forty thousand, twenty thousand, whatever it is. Uh, for sure. Because at the end of the day, that's that's what you want to play for. You want to play to to be hearing your name being booed, or to be hearing people applauding you for scoring a goal, or 
you know, all of these mixed emotions in a, in a game that gives you extra adrenaline. Um, I think most, if not every player misses it. But there's, I don't, again, I don't buy into, into that, uh, you know, that, yeah. you know, smaller teams don't have the same pressure. So they are able to, you know, Mamo is, is the first in the table and they don't have any fans. How come they are first if, you know, uh, if that was true, then it would be someone else being first. Yeah, Mamo sure. would have been affected as well. You know what I'm saying? That no, makes sense. Mamo I mean, hasn't been affected because, you know, they have the quality and they have the mentality of, you know, they are from a different breed. Uh, yeah, for sure. For me, they are probably, they, they are the best team and they deserve to be where they are. Interesting stuff, yeah. I mean, uh, in the Premier League, for example, when we look at the Premier League, there's been some crazy scorelines. You know, there's been like 7-2, Aston Villa beat seven, beat right. Liverpool 7-2. We're seeing some crazy things and everybody's kind of asking, is it to do with no fans? Is there is there a change in maybe results because of that? Right. I mean, let's move on. Uh, you know, one of the questions is, that leads me on to that is, you know, how important is the mental side of the game in football, in your, in your opinion? You know, how, how big is that mastering the mental side of the game? You know, because sometimes they say as well, maybe players... Can certain players play better in training than they play, you know, on a match day? Just how big, from your point of view, what you've seen in your career, how big is mentality in, in maximising your performance as a player? It's very big. I mean, you could see the difference in, say, a player like uh, Ibrahimovic. Yeah. The kind of elite mentality that he has, you know, he wants more out of every player, but he demands the most out of himself. You know what I'm saying? Sure. And, and people fail to see that part. They just see that he demands a lot from everyone else around him. But they don't realize that he demands so much for himself as well. 100%. And I feel that it's it's very important to have the mental side because, you know, any time you have a, a weakness, uh, especially if, if, if it's on the mental side, you will struggle in a game because you will make so many mistakes in a game Everyone does, you know what I'm saying? How do you deal with that mistake? Do you get back onto the horse and, you know, do, do it again? Or do you give up and say, ah, oh, I failed. Uh, I don't want to pass the ball anymore. Or I don't want to shoot anymore. Or, you know, I don't want to get in the box anymore because I'm afraid to miss. You know what I'm saying? So the mental aspect is very important. And just to show how important it is, when I was younger at West Brom, everyone had a psychologist. Oh, wow. And at the time, I didn't understand a psychologist. Wow, wow. Yeah, no, I heard you. And I didn't understand why it was so important to have a psychologist. I do now, after many years, you know what I'm saying? And, and it's to do with... Uh, because he was asking me about all the mistakes. How do you take a penalty? Uh, what do you do before the penalty? And like many... Things like that, which had me questioning myself at the time. Was that Dan? Was that Dan Abrahams? By any chance? Uh, I, I have no idea. It was oh, okay. such a long time ago. No problem. No problem. But I just remember that we had a psychologist, and he had a difficult time talking to me because I wouldn't let him in yeah. in a certain way because I, I was thinking it's a bluff to have a psychologist. But I realize <laughs> now it's really not. You know, it's good to talk to someone about everything. And uh, he won't judge you for for the person that you are, essentially. You know what I'm saying? So, um, so yeah, the the mental aspect is very important. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you know, the mental side of the game is getting bigger and bigger. Like you say, there's more sports psychologists, that kind of thing. I mean, is there a sports psychologist yeah. at Sirius? Just quickly, just out of interest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a psychologist here who is able to talk to the players. Oh wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, so quite advanced. Then, I mean, who would you say moving on is the? You talked about Zlatan just then. Who, who's the toughest opponent you've faced this season? You said you said Malmo, the best team. Uh, individually, who's who's maybe the, one of the toughest opponents you've faced in the league this season? Maybe defenders. Uh, uh, I think I think Malmo is, is the most difficult because particular player, Malmo like a player. No, not particular player. I think Malmo is a team because they are such an experienced side. Where you think you have, we did have control of the of, of the game, and then all of a sudden it's five two, and we lost the game. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> You know, these kind of, they don't have to actually play good to win games. They are the most difficult to, to win because they, they are content in, you know, uh, not having the ball or they stick to the actual game plan that they had. You know, whereas smaller teams, you know, the, 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 uh, the patience runs out very quickly. You know, someone is going to break up from that line and then you're able to punish them. But in a, in a team like Malmo, which is a top side, it's very rare that it happens. Yeah, for sure. And that's really what makes them such a great team. I mean, who, who do you think is the best player in all Svenskan, if you had to if you had to comment? Uh, I would say we have both the best players. And <laughs> I don't mean to be biased, but we we have a fantastic player in, in Vecchia and and uh, Sugita. Yeah. Who have uh, you know shown the quality in Alsvenska this year? And uh, I don't think there's too many arguments in in who is actually the best player. Um, it could go to either one of those. Well, that's very interesting because that was one of my questions coming up. I mean, you know, Stefano Vecchia and Yu Sagita have been really revelations this season. They've been talked about a lot. Um, Stefano Vecchia, top of Alsvenska for expected goals and assists combined. He's, he's scored 14 goals in total and in terms of expected goals and assists, he's number one in the, in the league. Uh, Yuya Sagita as well, really creative player. He's, he's you know really lovely on the ball. Um, gets between the lines, plays passes. For you as a striker, it must be fun playing with, with those guys. Um, tell us a little bit about them, what they're like. And, and they seem to have really come on this season. Yeah, I mean, the chemistry between us three is, is uh, perfect. Uh, none of us really are strikers in, in, in a sense. Uh, so we, we do move a lot, yeah. uh, around a lot, like different positions. And if Sugita comes inside, I go outside. Uh, Stefo goes as a striker. And like we pretty much move a little bit freely because essentially we're all midfielders. So that's why sometimes, you know, when we get into the wide areas, um, we we don't really cross the ball straight away because um, who's really going to head the ball in? You know, I don't yeah. think we've ever scored a headed goal this year anyway. Exactly. And, and that's really the reason because our strength is not to head the ball or be a target nine or uh, for them to be wingers to cross the ball in. You know, mostly we are occupied centrally. And, uh, you know, the football IQ is very high between us, uh, which makes uh, the game much easier for us. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's one of the questions that, you know, I was going to ask you as well, which, which link, links quite well, to be honest. Um, 
you know, we, we keep a database on all the players in El Svenskan and, you know, we've been doing it for many years in terms of where their positions are, their playing positions, that kind of thing. You yourself seem quite a versatile player. You know, positionally, we've got you listed down in many different areas that you could potentially play. Um, what, you know, whether it's a striker, midfield, like you say, on the sides um, of a 4-3-3, that kind of thing. What, what, what would you actually say is your best position, Mohamed? Uh, the 10. Yeah. I'd say playing behind a striker uh, would be the, the perfect uh, position for me. Uh, but because I, I do run a lot, so it's it's more common now as a 10 to run a lot, but mm. it wasn't before. It, before it was like more of a find a position and then uh, take yourself out of the picture and someone will see you and there's a lot of space. But nowadays... The 10 actually runs a lot, um, so uh, the 10 is, is the perfect position, but any any position going forward, is uh, I don't mind actually, uh, because again, you get a lot of the, a lot of the ball and you know there's, there's plenty of movement, so it's not really a position for me, um, but if there was one position, I'd say the number 10. Yeah, and, and you know, you... you um as you've mentioned, it, you, there's a really nice playing style. It's a really fluid game that serious play. A lot of movement up front, a lot of movement in midfield. Uh, the fullbacks get forward. You know, there's a lot of positional inter, interplay. Is it important for you to play in, in a nice flowing team? Would you rather play in a, in a nice sort of footballing team or a winning team? Uh, a winning team, of course. Uh, and, and luckily we've been doing both. You know, we haven't just been playing nice for the sake of, of playing nice. You know what I'm saying? There's always been a purpose to, you know, the way we play, the style we play. And um, essentially we try to punish the, 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 uh, our opponents. Uh, and it's, it's been working pretty well, actually. Uh, we've had some games where, you know, we've missed chances to win games and we've lost some points because we've, you know, letting late goals and, and stuff of that nature. But I think as we go along, we've learned a lot of, of those mistakes and we've rectified it. Um, and you could see that during the season that it's been getting better and better each time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, what, what are the secrets to this team? That we you know, why are you doing so well? What, what, you know, you said you had that extra time to work in, in pre-season. What exactly did you work on? What did the manager work on? And tell us a little bit about the manager, Henrik Riesdrum, because there's been a lot of praise for him this season as well. Um, you know, right. what exactly is the secret to this success? It's really that we, you know, um, first of all, we get along both on and off the field. Uh, you know, most, or if not all, the players hang out after the game, after training, during training. Um, we all have fun. But when it comes to you know playing the game, everyone gets into the zone, and then you know we go out, we go, we basically go to war together, you know. Yeah. And everyone's <laughs> on the same page. Um, you know, in 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 training, we've been working on different systems, so it's it's all just a numbers game for us. Uh, we've been playing every type of system really, and at the time, I'm not gonna lie, everyone was frustrated. Why are we playing this? Why are we doing this? You know, but we could see the, the rewards of playing different systems. Because just against um, no shopping now, the, the weekend that we played, we played so many different systems during the game. We, we switched so many times um, to be able to find a weakness 
and and that's how we were able to, to punish them and so you know the, the coaching staff should have a lot of credit for you know sticking to what they believe in and uh, and also the players buying into what they they wanted to 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 uh, achieve uh, to believe it and, and achieve and uh, and you know uh, again you could see the, the the rewards of of the hard work both from the coaching staff and from the players yeah uh, this season yeah i mean i watched that game and you know luckily it was really it was a really interesting game because Norshipping have been quite good this season, but maybe it just tailed off a little bit. But you really played a kind of uh, aggressive game in terms of your possessional play and, you know, quite a high line and that kind of thing. Just from your point of view as a player, you mentioned the manager sort of worked on different systems. When you're changing systems in the game, how exactly does that work? Is it like the manager just calls out, especially with no fans, does he just call out, right, switch to 3-5-2 or switch to 4-3-3? Like, how, what are the triggers in your mind or for a player in general when you're changing systems during a match what, what exactly is said they're just playing players just selling it you know uh, oh, we're playing 3-4-3 or 4-3-3 or 4-5-1 or whatever the system might be uh, and then you just adapt to it because uh, obviously you've been doing it in training so uh, it shouldn't come as a shock to you as a, as a player we we know the systems and we just got to adapt to it and you know uh, so it wasn't much more to it than that. Uh, it sounds very simple, but that's because of you know the work that we put in on the on the training field. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, you, you've got a wealth of experience in you, in your career. You know, you you've, you've been around the block, right. and you moved to MLS um, after your time at Odebro. I'd like you to sort of you know you've played for Columbus Crew, uh, then you moved mm. to Minnesota United as well, and then Colorado Rapids. And before some time in Denmark, and then obviously, and then moved back to to Sweden in in 2018. I'd like you to just compare for us. We always ask players who've played in different countries, um, particularly because we cover Norway and Sweden in general. But um, we always ask players to compare the different leagues they've played in. Could you tell us how MLS compares to Allsvenskan? I mean, if you if you had to rank the better quality league, which one would you say it is? It's very difficult because it's completely different. Um, the MLS is more like the Dutch league. Mm. The Dutch league, it's uh, the defensive part or the defensive aspect is not as big as the offensive uh, game in you know in the league yeah. in general. Uh, you normally tend to see you know high scoring games, uh, which is similar to to the MLS. You always see four, four, five, four or yeah. three. Very high scoring stuff like this, uh, exactly. And people are like, ah, crazy. You know, these guys they don't they don't have defenders, they don't have goalkeepers. But <laughs> it's because you know they just think of if you score three, we want to score four. Yeah, you know that's kind of like the Dutch mentality. And uh, offensively, they have you know the quality that could never uh, come to a team uh, in Austria because the quality is just so good uh, offensively. Uh, you could see by, you know, uh, Afonso Deid is going to FC Bayern. You have uh, Almiron going to Newcastle. Yeah. Uh, you have Tyler Adams going to Leipzig. So you have, like, quality players. You, you could never find that in Aspenskamp. Nobody just goes from Aspenskamp to Premier League or from Aspenskamp to the German Bundesliga to a top team. It never happens. If 
normally this goes from Aswenskan to, for example, uh, the, the Dutch league. Yeah. That's what most players do. Usually Belgium. The, uh, Belgium as well, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'd say it's more more like um, the Dutch league. But then again, I say that the Swedish league is very difficult to break down. So it's easy, uh, very difficult to break down uh, a team in, in Sweden because everyone is so compact. Mm. You know, it's nearly the same comparison with the with the national team. If you see the national team, it's very difficult to break down the Swedish national team. Yes, and sure. I think the Aswanskan is the same. Every team in Aswanskan is very difficult to break down. Uh, whereas, you know, US is very free flowing. So you're sitting on the fence there. You don't have a particular, just different styles. You'd say uh, different styles. I'd say. I mean, it depends. If you if you hold the Dutch league better than Swedish league, then you'd say the MLS is better. But if if you say, you know, some Swedish teams is better than you know Holland, then it depends on your opinion. You know, yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, for, sure. uh, for me, the MLS is better because for me, I see it as a as an offensive player. Yeah, yeah for I don't sure. see it as a you know a defensive player where you know we are defending and everything like no, that. That's fascinating. I mean, you won your first cap for Eritrea in in 2019. Can I ask you yeah. on a personal level? Uh, do you identify? You were born in Sweden. Do you identify right. more as a, as an Eritrean or as a Swedish? You know, citizen. Um, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm a dual national myself as well. So I, you know, just I wonder from your point of view because you talked about the Swedish national team there. You know, tell us a bit right. about your background in that sense, and also your, you know, your, your international sort of um, call up and that kind of thing. Uh, so I identify more as a Swedish, yeah. uh, you know, person because I've grew, I've grew up. I've, yeah, I was born here, mm. and I grew up most of my life in Sweden. Never been to uh, Eritrea until the call-up. That was my first time ever being back home. Wow. Uh, so, you know, there's not much I can relate to, you know what I'm saying? Uh, everything is here in England. Yeah. That's all I know. Uh, so, it's very difficult for me to say that I feel more Eritrean than I do with Sweden because all I've known is, is Sweden and England. So, um, yeah, I'd say I identify more as a Swedish guy. That's really interesting. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'd say I'd say so. Um, but but I'm very proud of of uh, my Eritrean background and you know winning my first cap. Even actually just being in the country itself uh, was a proud moment for me and you know my family for uh, for someone having achieved a goal um, like that. Uh, yeah, for sure. You know, I never knew that I would play for, for for my national team. Uh, I never knew that one day I'd go back to Eritrea. Uh, I always hoped that I would, but I never, you know, it was it was never, you don't have family there. Yeah, okay. So it's, it, it's a difficult thing for me to just go back home, mm. what's home. I don't mm. have anyone there, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so it's definitely a proud moment for me. It's fantastic. I mean, and also for yourself, from a cultural point of view, it must have been, you know, because it was your first time, it must have been really, right. like, a really nice experience to sort of experience your background and your heritage as well. Um, yeah. Fantastic stuff. You know, you're, you're 29 now, you're coming to sort of the latter part of your career. You've still got a lot of football left, of course, don't get me wrong. But um, I'd, like to, I'd, like to give, I'd like to ask you a bit of questions about, you know, what kind of advice would you give for young players at the moment coming up? Uh, particularly young forwards or young number tens, that kind of thing. What 
what would you say has held you in good stead in your career? Maybe pieces of advice you've been given or things you've heard that, that worked for you. You know, what, what advice would you pass on to a younger player? Because there's a few younger players now in Sirius as well, um, let alone, you know, uh, just in general. So I'd like to get you, you know, your thoughts on that. What kind of advice would you say has helped you in your career? You know what it is, uh, when I was younger, there would be many coaches telling me to play a certain way or telling me to adapt to this and to that. But at the end of the day, you should always, first of all, believe in yourself. Mm. Because if you don't believe in yourself, uh, who else will? You know, you're your biggest critic and you're your biggest fan. Uh, you should always be, anyway. Mm. And, you know, you should always be training outside. You should always expect the best from yourself uh, and um, yeah, the big thing is is never to give up if, if you have a dream go for it it doesn't matter if it's in school if it's in sport if it's anywhere uh, you should never give up your dream and uh, you should always work hard for it uh, nothing should be taken for granted because uh, you, you never know when it's going to be taken away from you you know by, uh, if it's uh, quality if it's injury if it's this or that you have no control over things like that, but the things that you can control, you should do the best out of it. And that's always to believe in yourself. Um, so uh, that would be my biggest uh, thing. If someone could tell me that when I was younger, I would have, I would have taken it and, and run with it. That's really, really interesting. I mean, does that mean just quickly before we wrap up? Does that mean that maybe you maybe didn't quite believe in yourself maybe earlier in your career? I mean, what one thing with players I speak to sometimes or advice I always seem to pass on is. You know, you need to be playing as much as possible. You know, not, try not to sit on the bench. You'd rather not sit on the bench at a big club than, you know, play games maybe at a smaller club, and then you can move on when when you get that experience. W would you say that right. when you were younger, maybe you you maybe lacked a little bit of self belief, and, and that's something you learnt as your career went on? Or no, not much. I I, I lacked in belief. It's more that I listened too much to certain coaches, and you know, for instance, if I was a dribbler, they'd tell me to pass the ball. And I passed the ball so much that I lost my own game. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And then if they would release me at any time, they would blame me that, you know, oh, you're not any different to all the other guys we have. <laughs> Everyone can do the job. That, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's the thing that, I, you know, when I say believe in yourself, it's to believe in your quality and and never let anyone change what you are you know you should always try to get better but uh, never let someone take away the thing that made you love the game in the first place and of course you know the advice that you're giving you know to to play more uh, if it's possible and stuff like this is very important but you should be you have to be in a position like that in the first place and that's by believing in yourself you know mm. what i'm saying yeah because yeah, sure. at the time when i was younger i was playing all the time but that didn't get me a contract you know and they blamed on, you know, uh, you being too small, you, uh, you're too short, you're way too little. Uh, you know, stuff like that that you, you can't really control. Uh, and nowadays you can see there's so many smaller players in the, in the, in the Premier League. Yeah. So the game changes. Uh, but, you, you know, you've got to believe in yourself. If, if I didn't believe in myself, I would have quit a long time ago when they told me uh, you're not going to become a professional player. Yeah, 100%. And it, it comes back to the mental side of it, doesn't it, which we talked about, which, right. you know, just having right. that be belief in yourself, which is really fascinating. I mean, j yeah. final couple of questions before we finish. Um, no. Appreciate your time. Y you mentioned there, do you think then just finishing on that conversation, 
do you think then it's really important if you have a bad, you know, because coaching is really important then, isn't it? You could, if you have a coach that knocks right. out, if a coach knocks out all your belief and all your unique qualities, you know, like you said, if you're a dribbler and he's telling you to pass it all the time, it must be really important to then have a good coach, isn't it? And how how quickly should you be getting away from a club if you don't have a good coach, if that makes sense? Or is it kind of, do you, do you need to be patient? Or, you know, you've got Henrik Riesdrom now, for example, who probably encourages your elements of your game, you know, you, you've scored eight goals this season, I believe. How important is it having a good coach in that sense then to, to bring out the best in a player? It's very important, but but the thing you should always remember is it's it's a business, regardless if, if it's a player or if it's a coach. So, you know, as a player, you want to reach the top, right? But I think as a coach, you want to reach the top as well. So the coaches are thinking the results as well as you know the players thinking about results it's not always i don't think nowadays anyway where it's always about player development blah 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 it's it's more how can i get to a level where i manage you know Aspenskan or i manage Superetta, whatever the case might be yeah um and and i think that's what's so dangerous for the for the young generation because the development will rapidly decrease you know it won't be the same amount of development and you can see that actually in Sweden there's not many young players going abroad or young players going to uh, Allsvenskan and playing a lot of games uh, because uh, it's it's a business oriented uh, uh, game uh, yeah, and, and everyone is thinking about results, results, results and you know you got to be careful in how much you believe in the results you know what I'm saying because at the end of the day, you want to give the kids a chance to showcase their abilities. And, you know, for young players as well, not everyone develops when they are 11 years old. You know, some develop at, late, at later stages. You yeah. know, if you're 19, 20, 21, 20, some 25 even. You know, some break through when they're 25. So, you know, stay patient, work hard and believe in yourself. Yeah, that's fantastic advice. And uh, final question, Mohamed, I really appreciate your time. You, um, I another stat I didn't tell you about earlier about Sirius, but they've scored the most goals of any team in Osvenskan with the left foot. And as a left-footed player yourself, uh, that's probably a lot down to, to you. Um, you know, how, how you only have left-footed players. <laughs> exactly. All your players are left-footed, which is quite rare, you know, to a certain extent. You've got so yeah. many, so many left-footed goal scorers. Just from um, that point of view, you know, how... How are you rating your own performance this season? How, you, how much are you enjoying it? And what's the outlook for the future? Do you, do you have a target in mind, whether it's individually or for the team? You know, what is the, what is the aim for the rest of the season and going forward as well, maybe into the future? Uh, first, uh, as a team, I, I want to get into Europe. I think uh, the whole team wants to get into Europe when we are in the position that we are in right now. It'd be a shame to just, you know, give up and be happy with the accomplishments that we've we've had and you know uh, enjoy the applause from from every team saying well we are the best team they've played against and you know the media loving us and loving the way we play it'd be a shame to throw all of it away and you know be content on what we we've gotten so far and how far we've came but so I want to I want to get into Europe uh, that's that's one and then uh uh, as a striker, I want to score more goals, even though it's not my position. But now that I play there, I want to be scoring more goals. So I'm getting into positions to, to score goals. It's just that sometimes I, I take a touch when I should score, I mean, shoot, 
uh, or I shoot when I should take a touch, you know, uh, the different kind of uh, killing instinct that, yeah. you know, I need to learn. It, it doesn't come overnight. <laughs> Uh, it's something that you you grow up with, but I'm I'm trying to learn that aspect of the game. Uh, but apart from that, you know, I just want to see everyone around me succeed, uh, and us have a great end to to what could be a fantastic season. Yeah, and you've worn the captain captain's armband at times as well. So you know, if the club was to get into Europe, I mean, it spent many many years. It was relegated in 1974 before promotion. Uh, sorry, before spending a lot of years, you know, in, in the third division, Superetta and that kind of thing. Uh, and then it was promoted to Osvenskin in, <clears throat> in 2017. This is the third season back now. And it would be yeah. the first time, I believe, in, well, the club's history to get into Europe. So I wish you all the best of success yeah. with that, you know, and it would be really Thank nice you. to see you playing in Europe as well. Maybe maybe your future will be in Europe and, and, and you know, playing at the high level that you really want to play um, since you've been young. And, you, you know, you're having a fantastic year. So, so I appreciate your time and telling us about serious you've been so successful this season it's great to get your perspective thank you so much appreciate, appreciate it thank you thank you and uh yes guys just before we wrap up this show we'll just quickly uh, still got mohammed on the line but i'll just say we're going to wrap up the show now uh thank you to everybody who subscribed and you know it's the international break so we'll be back next week with coverage of you know the league as it gets back to normal uh, but yeah, thanks so much, everybody. Um, hope you've enjoyed this episode with a very special guest, Mohamed Saeed uh, of IK Sirius. And we will be back soon. Follow us on Twitter at NordicFootPod. And you can also find us on Facebook, Nordic Football Podcast. And subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast to listen to this and any other shows. So thanks so much, guys. We'll see you on another show coming up soon, no doubt. And I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Leave us a comment on Twitter if you have any feedback. My name is Jonathan Faduba, and we'll be back very, very soon. Thanks a lot. Take care. Goodbye.